This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Began tonight talking about the NBA Finals. Congrats to the Denver Nuggets. They strike first and really left little doubt that they were the better basketball team and they put to rest any sort of concerns that anybody might have had about them having 10 days of inactivity, sweeping the L.A. Lakers and waiting around to see who would emerge from the Eastern Conference, either Boston or Miami. It was Miami. And the Nuggets took it to them. And there's a reason why this Denver team has not lost a game in their building, folks, since March 30th. That's a long time ago. Okay, that was opening day of the baseball season. That was the last time the Nuggets lost at home. Miami, if they want to win this series, they're going to have to take one in Denver. That remains to be seen. They'll get another opportunity coming up on Sunday. Jokic outstanding. Jamal Murray outstanding. Aaron Gordon was the one who was the driving force in that first quarter, getting some easy baskets thanks to some nice passing by Nikola Jokic. Bam Adebayo had a good game for the Heat, but the complimentary players did not. And that's what got him into trouble. Jimmy Butler was not playoff Jimmy. He was just eh. But Caleb Martin was dreadful. Max Struess made as many shots as I did, and I didn't play in the game. And Duncan Robinson also had a horrible game last night. So if those secondary players for the Heat are not going to chip in, there's going to be a very, very short series, just like the Nuggets-Lakers was. So... Get an extra day off. They could maybe get a little bit more acclimated to that altitude and whatnot. And then on Sunday uh, evening, they will get another stab at this here thing and try to even up the best of seven before the series goes back to South Beach for games three and four. Mets just underway here against the Toronto Blue Jays starting a three-game series. Rain delayed the game for about an hour and a half. It's one nothing Toronto. Springer with a leadoff home run over Justin Verlander. Yankees are going to take the field in about an hour and get things underway with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And... You know, I I think Yankees, Dodgers, and I think nostalgia. I think history. Even though I wasn't old enough to really ever appreciate a Yankee-Dodger World Series, these two teams have met in the postseason more than any other as far as, you know, interleague opponents and whatnot have been. You know, they've played in 11 World Series, 11 against one another. And it hasn't happened since 1981, but, you know, you think about all the matchups and certainly when the Dodgers were in Brooklyn, you know, that's a big part of history here. But late 70s, you know, when they got the Dodgers, got the Yankees in 81, them playing to me still has that lore of interleague baseball. Like those are some of the interleague matchups that actually like, you know, kind of stand on their own in a separate category to where you get excited about watching them. The rest of them are pretty much played, but Yankees-Dodgers is special. So it'll be fun to watch these teams play over the next few days out there at Dodger Stadium. Sevy tonight against Clayton Kershaw. And they're going to get a couple of youngsters over the next couple of days. You got Cole against Michael Grove. Michael Grove is coming off the injury list. He hasn't pitched since April. That'll be the pitching matchup tomorrow. Sunday, you're going to get Herman against Bobby Miller, another youngster who only has a couple of starts under his belt, but he looks like he's got good stuff. He's one of the Dodgers' top prospects. I'm looking more at tomorrow's game with Cole because Cole has developed a bad habit here last several starts of not being able to keep the ball in the ballpark, right? So that's something to look out for because with all of these questions that the Yankees have about who's available, who's not available, when the hell will Rodon ever throw a pitch this year? What's the rest of that rotation going to look like? Are you going to be able to count on some of those other players? Cole's got to be the anchor. 
You know, he has to be by far the ace, the number one here. And what better stage, what better opportunity? You know, his old stomping grounds at home there in California should be a cool scene tomorrow night at Dodger Stadium uh, with those two. And as far as, you know, getting a little bit healthier, Stanton's back, Donaldson's back. They're in there. Tommy Canely is available now in that bullpen. So the Yankees rounding into form a little bit more. And Aaron Judge, by the way, was named the American League Player of the Month for his torrid stretch during the month of May. And, you know, like I said, he's just not too bad for an encore from what he did with an MVP season a year ago. And who knows what the rest of this year is going to have in store for this guy. And, boy, the Yankees are a lot happier that he took their overtures as opposed to, let's say, the San Francisco Giants, and they ended up with Arson Judge instead. But the Yanks are happy that uh, number 99 was sticking around. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Anthony, did you see those pictures in the paper, uh, out in the, or in the paper, but online of uh, Aaron Judge and his missus doing some shopping in Beverly Hills yesterday? Did you see that? Really important news. I'm so glad that I got to see the pictures. Huge. What do you think? What do you think the receipt bill was like? Aaron Judge, he of the brand new, what, $362 million contract? How much coin do you think he was dropping on Rodeo Drive when he was out there just casually shopping? Oh, well, he could do whatever he wants, right? I mean, we're thinking, we got to be thinking thousands of dollars here, correct? Oh, tens of thousands. Tens of thousands, you think? Maybe maybe even hundreds of thousands. Wow. Who knows? Who knows? He could afford it. But no, I mean, look, I mean, it. obviously he's, he's from California, and everyone's going to keep an California. eye on him. Yeah. Not from yeah, not from LA, but from Northern California. And he, everyone's going to keep an eye on him wherever he is. So, you know, good for him. Good for him to be able to enjoy a day off in LA, right? Absolutely. Good for the Yankees that they were able to get one. And we'll see if they can get these bats going again because they've been on a really hot streak and then they got shut out the other night losing an extras one nothing. It look, it's going to happen, you know. I thought the Yankees went up against good young pitching in Seattle for those three games. And the fact that they were able to perform as well as they did for two of them, and then Kirby and company shot them down uh, in that last one. No apologies for that. Mariners, those arms are good arms. They really are. And they got more coming, too. So that Seattle team is going to be one to reckon with in the American League for the next several years. Um, You know, we were talking about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you saw this. Like, we could sit here and have our own opinions about what to expect from him this year and the team and so on and so forth. How about a couple of uh, Aaron's former quarterback contemporaries, Hall of Famers in their own right. Here's a guy by the name of, oh, Tom Brady talking to Sports Illustrated about Aaron joining the Jets. He's one of the great quarterbacks to ever play the game. So him going to a new place... Uh, with a new opportunity to go out there and prove himself. I think he's going to do a great job. It's a tough division they're playing in. They've got the Patriots. They've got the Dolphins. They've got the Bills, who have been great. It's always tough to bet against Aaron Rodgers, too, because of how uh, prolific he is as both a passer and he's a Super Bowl champion. So it's going to be a great division to watch. Speaking of Sports Illustrated, I, I I was on the site the other day. And one of the football writers, I forgot who it was, uh, bad job by me, but he did a a long piece. And I just thought, you know, I got nothing going on. Let me read it. And it was like a 100 hot takes for the season. Like, I don't know if it was outlandish predictions, crazy predictions, whatever. But it was a 100 of them. You know, you got to come up with stuff to fill a 100 on the page. One of them was that the New England Patriots will win the AFC East. Not the Jets, not the Bills, not the Dolphins. Instead, the team that's the least talented on paper. If the Patriots win the AFC East this year, we might as well just fold the league. Like, seriously. Because, like, that is the most, like, 
the most patriot thing that would ever happen. But see, I thought we were past this. As soon as Brady left, I, I thought we were done with the whole like Patriots paranoia thing, right? Like they're not that good of a team. It is a hot take, though. It's a, it's a very hot take. Very hot take. I mean, the Pat defense might not be too bad, but offensively, like, who scares you? Like, you think they're going to win a division with that? I mean, the whole smoke and mirrors thing with Belichick, that's gone. He couldn't win with Cam Newton in 2020. All right, he made the playoffs with Mac Jones in 21, and then they got steamrolled by the Bills. Last year was a disaster for them. Why is it going to be any different? Right? I think it just further validates that the whole Brady-Belichick marriage, they needed each other. And the great player was maybe a little bit more influential than the great coach because the great player went someplace else and won a Super Bowl and the great coach hasn't had that same success. You know, we talked about it the last couple of weeks like with this run that the Miami Heat have been on with Eric Spolstra, how great of a coach he is and blah, 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 look what he does. It's like, yeah, but you know what? He's got Jimmy Butler playing at an all-NBA level. That's why they're in the NBA Finals. You need great players. Greg Popovich got championship rings coming out of his you-know-what. But those championship rings disappeared when Duncan retired, when Kawhi Leonard went packing, you know, Ginobili and Parker and all those guys. And he's had scrubs the last couple of years, and they've been terrible. And now he gets the seven foot five guy from France, and he's going to probably start winning in a couple of years. You need players. If you want to win big, you need talented dudes. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. Let's say hi to uh, Dan in New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey. He's up next here on 98. Good evening. Dan, how are you? Good evening, Dan. Shout out to the company. How are you doing tonight? Dan, you know what? You have an outstanding name. I just got to tell you that. I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's, it's top of the heap. You know what? Same to you, Dan. What a name. Like, we're blessed to have such a great name. Uh, you know what? Think about all the different choices there were, and, they, and, and we both hit the jackpot. What's your middle name? Um, John. Uh, I'm Patrick. Oh, okay. So you're DP. I'm DJ. Uh, I like DJ. I like that. DJ I was Dan DJ. I was, that, that was the, That's what I was called growing up, as a matter of fact. A lot of people, they call me DJ growing up. <laughs> uh, that True is story. great. I was gonna, story. I was, so we missed you at the company outing yesterday. Rick fired maybe one of the worst shots of all time. It was a scud missile at me. Oof, it Why? was bad. So I have a podcast. Okay. And you're, all, you're welcome to come on it if you'd like. I'd love to have you. But What's the so podcast? He told me. Just like a general podcast? Yeah. like. So I have two, so I'm a college student. I'm at Monmouth University. Oh, and nice. And I've actually had, I have a radio show and a podcast. I've actually had Anthony on my radio show. Anthony, is this confirmed? Oh yeah, okay. And I've had. Now, was it, uh, by the, the way, was it a paid appearance? By the way, Anthony, was it a paid appearance? I'm not at liberty to say. Dan, are you at liberty to say? Um, we could talk about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue. So, so he, so I've asked Rick and I've asked Dave. I've had the great RJ Santillo on this podcast too. Wow! So they were upset that. I had RJ on before I had them, and Rick said to me, I hope your podcast fails. Well, see, he, here's the thing, and I love Rick, okay? But let's connect the dots here. You asked them to come on. They politely or maybe impolitely refused. 
Okay. What are you supposed mm-hmm. to do? Just sit there and wait and not do a podcast? Instead, you ask other people if they want to be part of your creative endeavors. RJ did. Exactly. Anthony did. You know what? I don't think that he has any right to sit there and then throw it back in your face. You extended the olive branch and he wasn't willing to accept it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And the other thing is then Dave on this morning says, oh, you don't have to hope too hard, Dave. It's a Rick, he said. It was very nasty. I, I mean, we got we, we to gotta talk some sense into these guys. We got to talk some sense. You know what? Talk to Anthony, and then down the road, we could try to make this happen. We could do the whole podcast radio show thing or whatever. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Yes. Anthony, can I get a breaking news sound for that one? I think Is that breaking news worthy, you think? I, I don't think know. so. It might, be, it might not be. I don't know. I don't even know if he has the breaking news thing handy. Maybe it's on his other page. Wow. I don't, I don't, you know what, Dan? You don't have a breaking news sounder, huh? Well, we have, like, it, there should be one. There you go. I thought we had that on my wall, but I, the problem is when I was in the other day and I was looking at the wall, there's like 900 different things up on this wall, and it's almost like they need to be like alphabetically ordered because I couldn't find anything. Yeah, we got to fix that for you. We got to fix the wall. Harvey's usually Are any of my things. drops? Yeah, I don't Anthony, know. Do I have any drops on? The you wall? might have them on DNR's page. Ah. Do I have any on that page? I frowned down, and I. You both have the same name, so it's tough. Oh, it's it's tough to figure out. Yeah, exactly. What uh, you wanted to get into some Yankees here, Danny? Real quick, I got to hit a break. All right. So I was originally going to say that Judge is better than any Met, but I figured I was talking to my friends about that. It's a little bit of a ridiculous take. So I want to say I think the wait right now you mean or like all time. All time. No, no, not it's all ridiculous. time. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But I was going to so I was gonna go into a Garrett Cole point there, because you mentioned him. The reason Garrett Cole has been struggling, two things. One, he's not very good when Jose Trevino doesn't catch him. If you look at the splits the past two years, it's drastic. And two, he struggles when not with his stuff, with his control. When he is on, his fastball is up in the zone, and guys can't touch it. When he's not good and giving up home runs, that fastball dives and sits right down the middle. With Garrett Cole, it's a control thing, and that's what he needs to be successful tomorrow against the Dodgers. I don't disagree you know with what? you. I'm going I'm to guarantee it right now. Seven innings, one run, 12 strikeouts, lock it in. Wow. Dan, Cole you know what? I, I, I appreciate the phone call. I do. And, you know, for your sake and all the Yankee fans, I hope that happens, but I, I, I would be shocked. Dodgers have a good lineup. Dodgers have a really, really good lineup. Those dudes are professional hitters. They know how to attack. Um, and the scary thing about the Dodgers is this, and I, I know I've said this a bunch. The Dodgers, and by the way, the Dodgers have scored the most runs um, in the National League this year. This was supposed to be a quote-unquote retooling season for the Dodgers, right? They didn't, they didn't have a very active offseason. They were going to reset the luxury tax to make a big run at Shohei Otani in the offseason. And, you know, they, they, they were confident in their system, their pipeline, their player development, and the guys that they still had in that clubhouse. And guess what? They're tied for first place, right? And they look like they're going to be a major factor come playoff time because you know what they're going to do? They're going to add before the deadline on August 1st. We tried to get John Moran on the show tomorrow, but he respectfully declined. Well, actually, no, we didn't try. We wouldn't go that far. I was going to say, is that true? No, that's not true. That's not true. Um, Because you know what? He's in some deep doo-doo probably. 
at least if you heard the commissioner, Adam Silver, last night. Last night before the game tipped off for the NBA Finals, Adam Silver um, gave his kind of, you know, state of the union press conference, if you will. And so, of course, one of the big topics was, you know, the latest social media appearance by John Morant, which included a firearm yet again. So here was Commissioner Silver about the latest on uh, John Morant. In terms of the timing, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information. I think since I was still asked about the situation, I would say we probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made the decision, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us, that it would be unfair to these players and these teams in the middle of the series to announce the results of that investigation. And given that we're, of course, in the offseason, he has now been suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies indefinitely, and so nothing is would have changed anyway in the next few weeks. It seemed better to park that at the moment, at least any public announcement. And my sense now is that shortly after the conclusion of the finals, we we will announce the outcome of that investigation. Okay. Now, I I don't know if you guys knew this or not when you decided to listen to the show tonight. I actually, and Anthony, I don't even know if you know this, and, and, and we're friends and we've known each other a while. I actually am bilingual. Is that right? And, yeah, it's very true. And one of the languages that I do speak, I actually, you know, let's just say I'm trilingual. One of the languages that I am proficient in is commissioner. I speak oh. commissioner. And, you know, I'll, I'll provide a translation for you. What Adam Silver is essentially saying there is that once this suspension hits the uh, newswire, it's going to send shockwaves across, major, uh, across the NBA. And all the professional sports. And this is going to be the headline story. It's going to be the talking point. And of course, they don't want to do that during the NBA Finals. And he kind of alluded to that as much. Don't want to take the spotlight and the attention away from the players and the teams that have made it this far to compete for the ultimate goal there when it comes to professional basketball. So, once this thing goes final, I would say in the week that follows, you're going to hear about pretty lengthy punishment for John Morant. And it's not going to shock me. I easily, easily, the day after this thing happened, I thought you're looking at probably somewhere around quarter of the season. Minimum quarter of the season, which would be, what, 20 games? Minimum. And the fact that he referenced the Players Association in conjunction with them, if you're going to do something significant to a player... The union has to be in on the loop. All right. If you just give them a slap on the wrist, you spend them one game, you fine them a couple of bucks or whatever. That's not something that the union's going to get in unless the player elects the union to maybe get involved with the battle. But if this is just some sort of, hey, you know what? We're going to throw the book at this guy. Then the union's going to be briefed because they're always going to have the backs of the players. That's what being in a union is part of. So this is something that's going to be important to them. But it's also something that I think a lot of them might feel is justified, too. And look, he's got nobody to blame but himself. And it's not even about John Morant, the basketball player anymore. It's about John Morant, the person. It's about, you know, making sure that he gets right. And the thing that we don't have any answers to is once the punishment is delivered by the commissioner and he's away from the NBA and he's away from his teammates, and he's away from you know his livelihood, essentially, what is that going to do for him as far as the off-the-court version of John Morant? You know, is he going to learn from his mistakes? Is he going to start acting 
along the lines of how you would expect somebody who is in this position, a public figure, that you would expect them to act? And I don't know the answer to that question. I really and truly don't. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Sean in New Jersey. He is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Sean, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Dan? What's up, Sean? How you doing? Good. Hey, I was thinking, you know, I wanted to talk about the Knicks. And yeah. I was thinking there is a player available, DeMar DeRozan of the Bulls. And he's available for a trade. What do you think it would take to get somebody like that on the Knicks? I just want to pull up his contract for a second because I just want to make sure that there's no It's option. like a three-year, $82 million contract. But is he there an option? Is there an option involved in that? Because that changes the landscape. He's got, let's, what year is No, there's a report that the Bulls are looking to trade him and get whatever they can in return. Well, I'll tell you what. The free agent next year. He's got one more year on the deal. Yep. He's got one more year at about 28.6, it says. Okay. You're talking about an expiring contract. That's number one. Knicks have a guy or two. give the Knicks really good scoring punch. I I don't disagree. for, For what they need, they need somebody who could shoot it. They need somebody who could give you, like you said, alleviate a little bit of the scoring pressure from some of these other guys, i.e. Brunson, Randall, RJ, whatever. But what is it going to cost you? You know what? If you're trying to make the dollar figures match, and depending on how Chicago views their upcoming season. Now, Chicago was a team, remember, that was in the playing tournament. I thought they would have been better this year. I think they underachieved. But you want to take that Evan Fournier expiring contract and include it in a package for DeMar DeRozan? But you're going to have to probably include a lot of draft choices, too. Hey, I'd give up a couple of first-round picks for him. Why not? I... I, 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 it's not the worst idea in the world, Sean, and I thank you for the phone call. I, I, I got to think about this, though. If you're looking at the starting five for this team, or not even to forget about like the starting lineup, just like where he would fit. If you're the Bulls, I can't see him just giving them away. What are you going to ask for in return? Right? What is it going to take? Are they going to ask for R.J. Barrett? Do they want to get younger? All right, because I'll ask you that. You're a Nick fan. Talking about a guy who's obviously about 10 years older than R.J. Barrett is. Talking about a guy who's an all-star many times over, who's certainly a heck of a lot more an accomplished pro than R.J. Barrett is. But what if the Chicago Bulls said, okay, you can have DeMar DeRozan. We'll take your crummy Evan Fournier contract and give us R.J. Barrett. And I know that the dollar figures don't necessarily match up. I get that. But I'm just being hypothetical. If, if, if that's going to be the foundation of a trade, would you do it? You know, Nick fans didn't want to trade R.J. Barrett last year for Donovan Mitchell. You think DeMar DeRozan's a better player than Mitchell? By the way, DeMar DeRozan's an older player. So if you didn't want to pull the trigger for Mitchell, is this the type of guy that you would make that move for? Right? Not sure about that one. Not quite sure. And by the way, if you want to talk now competing for the big prize, Donovan Mitchell was at least a better playoff performer over the years in his career than what DeMar DeRozan's been. 
I don't know. I I just can't see it happening. But it's a thought. Yanks and Dodgers getting underway at the top of the hour as well. Rizzo back in the lineup tonight after a three-game absence. Didn't play in the Seattle series. He's batting third at first. Stanton back in cleanup at DH. He is followed by none other than Josh Donaldson. Also back in there playing third base. Allen is in center field tonight. Trevino's behind the dish. Volpe at shortstop is batting seventh. Torres and Judge 1-2 at the top of the order. That was a very... Um, hodgepodge way of giving the lineup it was like a mix and match kind of all distorted out of order it was kind of just like picking names randomly out of a hat and telling you where they were playing when they were hitting in the lineup but you know what it worked you got the idea now you know all the particulars and you could take that information and, and, and do whatever you want with it uh in all seriousness though today is a, a a special day in baseball Lou Gehrig day I'm sure you've seen it if you've you know been keeping tabs on such things to pay tribute of course to the Iron Horse, who on this day, you know, years ago, lost his battle with ALS. Uh, and ironically enough, it was also the day that he took over as the Yankee first baseman uh, from Wally Pipp and then began a consecutive games played streak over 2,000 games and, you know, was the gold standard as far as, um, you know, taking the field every day until Cal Ripken came along and, and broke that record years later. But more importantly, it's an initiative around Major League Baseball where, the sport is trying to call attention to such a, you know, insidious disease like ALS. And, you know, unfortunately, we've made so many advances and so many strides when it comes to medical science and technology over the years. But as far as ALS is concerned, they really have not been able to do much. It's still very, very underfunded compared to several other diseases that we have, uh, unfortunately, uh, in our world. And so this is a good opportunity for, you know, something as influential as baseball to be able to to use the platform to raise awareness and, and to really just generate as much as possible for the cause. And, and you could go online and you could check out um, different things that baseball's doing. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard the name or read the name and, and, and know the name of Sarah Langs. And, you know, she's a baseball researcher, um, you know, worked at ESPN and, and she's a colleague of, of ours. And um, Sarah, I consider a friend. I've done TV shows with her, and she's great. Um, she just loves the game of baseball, and unfortunately for her, she was diagnosed with ALS a couple of years ago, and she's still very active, still you know, kind of going out there and, and giving it a face, if you will, and doing all she can to raise awareness for it, and baseball has also contributed with that and people around the game, and among the different things that you know have been um, initiated to try to help as far as to, you know, raise funding, generate awareness, at least as far as Sarah's concerned, you know, one of her big uh, phrases, she likes to, you know, tweet it out all the time and is always saying, you know, baseball is the best. And so not long ago, this company printed to, uh, up some t-shirts that say, you know, baseball is the best, but then with the letters, it also says end ALS. And I went online and I got one of these shirts, um, you know, to make my contribution, whatever I'm wearing it today uh, while we're doing the show here, as a matter of fact. So you can find it online, I'm sure. Um, if not, I'll, I'll tweet out the link myself, as a matter of fact, so people that want to contribute, they can, because it really, really is for a great cause. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, in, in our lifetimes, you know, they're going to be able to make enough strides to where those that are afflicted 
with this illness, it's not a death sentence for them. And that's what you could hope with any uh, illness and disease, you know, that we have um, to deal with, unfortunately. So great day to raise awareness. And like I said, I'll get that out there for those that want to contribute. Let us say hi to Mitch in East Windsor. He is up next here on 98.7. Hello, Mitch. How are you? How's it going, Dan? Thanks for taking my call. Mitch, I'm doing great, buddy. What's going on? Doing very good. It was a good week, short week. Ready for the weekend. Let's um, do it. Looking forward to the series. I think my Dodgers are going to um, take it to the Yankees. I uh, wish they uh, they did sign uh, Junior Carl Stanton. The Dodgers have been a little cheap sometimes when it comes to these big stars. They should have gone after Harper. Yeah, but why would you want Stanton? Stanton's been nothing but injured over the last few years. Well, I think he's, he's going to turn around that we should be playing with the Dodgers. Let's put it this way, uh, uh, Mitch. He's not getting any younger, that's for sure. Generally, when you get older, you know, y- your body breaks down even more as a professional athlete. So if he hasn't stayed healthy the last few years, I don't know what would give you confidence that he would become uh, you know, the Iron Man over the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I know my Dodgers are leading lead home runs, but they can use another pop in that lineup, especially in the outfield. And Denver. You know what they need? Denver looks like they need a starting okay. pitcher, and they need some help with the bullpen. That's what the Dodgers need. Their bullpen has been horrific this year, in my opinion. That's what they need to do. You, 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 tell, it, you tell it it is. I'm just maybe too optimistic. Um, and with the game last night, I think Denver has got the making of having four potential stars or superstars, especially Gordon, Aaron Gordon. That was a great trade. I think it was kind of one-sided. And Michael Porter slipping to 11. Murray was not a top-five pick either. Uh, it's amazing. Porter is going to be, I think he's going to be in this series. He's going to be really good. I think he's going to be a little boy. If he's healthy, that's what, that's what Porter's stock down is back. I would be shocked. <laughs> I would be shocked, Mitch, and I thank you for the phone call as always. If the Denver Nuggets win this title, anybody not named Nikola Jokic to be named the most valuable player. It's almost like rite of passage. It has to be. Because again, last night, like, think about how much he impacts the game, even when he's not scoring. You know, last night in the first quarter, when when the Nuggets established control of that game, he took one shot in the whole quarter, and it was a layup with like three seconds left. But he dished out a boatload of assists. He was getting his other guys involved. And just fueling that offense. It's like a seven-foot point guard, for crying out loud. He's a freak. You know, he might not be as, you know, athletic as some of these other guys. He'll be the first to admit that. Like, there was a great story they said, you know, during the game last night. I think it might have been um, Lisa. Like, they were talking about, or she was talking to him when he was drafted. And he was coming out into the NBA draft. And, like, what the scouting report was of him back at the time. And they said, you know, he's not very athletic, not very explosive, blah, blah, blah. Because, remember, he was a second-round pick. He was, like, 41st overall. And then she asked him, what do you think about that scouting report? And he said... It was right. It was a thousand percent right. That's the player that I was. But you know what? He's gotten himself into great shape. And what he does do well, he's mastered it. Think about that. What he, he knows his limitations. He doesn't try to play outside of the player that he knows he should be. And I would say that it's working out pretty well for his advantage and for the rest of the basketball team, wouldn't you? By the way, I mentioned it a little while ago. Check out my uh, Twitter page, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. I just posted the link 
for the Baseball is the Best t-shirt, the one that I am sporting right now, as a matter of fact, uh, in honor of my good friend Sarah Langs uh, and helping to raise awareness for ALS and ALS research. You can click on it and hopefully purchase one to, uh, like I said, lend your support, all for a good cause, because it's an important day. And, you know, if we can use our sports and baseball community to make a difference, that is what we hope to achieve uh, by doing these type of things. So give it your time. Give it a uh, give it a look. And, you know, it looks pretty good, too, even though it's in Yankee colors. And I despise that. But it's uh, it's a good fit. Gotten a lot of compliments for the shirt, as a matter of fact, today. All right, I lied. I haven't gotten any compliments whatsoever. I'm actually, you know, I don't think I've interacted with anybody today. I think it's a great shirt, Dan. How about that? It's a a great shirt, right, Anthony? I mean, you can be unbiased, right? It's a great shirt. Great shirt. It's a great shirt. Like I said, great cause. Great shirt. Great cause. Great cause. Not my, you know, colors as far as a baseball team is concerned, but for Sarah and for, for this cause, anything. Anything at all. Um,. Something I know that's near and dear to Anthony's heart as well, the search for a new coach for the New York Rangers. Oh, yeah. Which still does not have, you know, a, you know, I don't think we're any closer. You know, I I think that maybe we could start to see, like, which way the crumbs are leading, and they're probably leading in a couple of directions. Peter Laviolette, for those that are in the know, kind of seem to think that he is the leader in the clubhouse. Peter Laviolette is probably somebody that we could term the safe choice. And remember, right when this whole thing went down and it looked like the Rangers were going to be in the market for a new head coach, remember you and I, Anthony, were talking about it, and that was kind of like the first name that just jumped to my mind because it was indeed somebody that's a safe choice, right? I mean, yeah, he's, got ex- he's got experience coaching in the division. He's got experience coaching in the market, okay? And he's taken three different teams to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, the resume speaks for itself. Now, if you want to throw cold water on it, you could say, well, since he took Nashville to the Stanley Cup finals, you know, his teams have disappointed in the postseason, and he hasn't really made strides, so to speak. So I don't know if that's just going to be like the trend for the remainder of his career, I, ju- I, I think it would it might not be a so-called inspired choice. I personally would have nothing wrong with it, though, if they settled on Peter Laviolette to be the head coach. I don't think inspired is on the table anymore. Um, I wonder now with Dubis going to Pittsburgh and seeming very comfortable with Mike Sullivan, where that leaves Sheldon Keefe, and if that's the, a road the Rangers want to go down, I don't think that's an inspired choice. I mean, he couldn't get it done with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares. I would pass on that. Um, but he might be available. I don't know what Trevling's interest in him is in Toronto. Well, it's not going to happen, but I mean, we could just throw it out there anyway. Like, I thought Sullivan would have been the perfect choice, but they they completely dismissed that and, and ruled out that oh, possibility. Oh, yeah. If you heard Dubas's conversations about how yeah. it was so instrumental to talk to Sully and Sid. I was like, all right, well, there there goes that. Well, th- here's the thing that I don't understand as far as the Rangers are concerned. Okay, and we know that there are some personalities in that room. Fair to say? They're good players. I'd say so, got, yes. You got some influential personalities in that room. We'll leave it at that. They ran David Quinn out of here. Yeah, sure did. Because they felt he was too hard on the players and too tough on the players. Right. Too demanding, whatever word you want to use. Then you have Gallant here for a couple of years. They have two very, very good seasons. They come within one step of the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Okay, they lose in the first round to a rival this year. 
But then they get rid of him because they said he was too buddy-buddy with the players. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't holding them accountable enough. So they wanted him out of here. So I, I, I don't know. What is the middle ground? Is there a candidate out there who supposedly is going to be able to play it both ways? I thought that all coaches should be able to do that. But that's, that, that would be my only question. And not for nothing. I mean, it's not like the core of your team is sitting there tripping over Stanley Cup rings. I mean, I think that's fair, right? Well, that's the thing, Dan, because now you're going to be talking about the third coach that this core now has the ability to say is their coach. Now, I don't know Correct. if Quinn was their choice, necessarily. Um, he was brought in during a rebuild after the letter and everything else, so you knew that this was kind of going to be a building type of thing. I think Panarin kind of jump-started, signing him jump-started something that they may not necessarily have been ready for. Um, Kako and Lafreniere did not get the privilege of having top-line minutes like Heischer and Hughes did in New Jersey, and you saw the vast difference, even though they've been in the league for around the same time, that right. those guys are, as opposed to Lafreniere and Kako. But now you're looking at a core that said, we're going to move on from Quinn because we don't we think that the message has gotten stale, and jury said okay. And now, two years later, with a guy that you brought in, now either Drury said this wasn't the right decision, and apparently there was reports that they had, you know, you you heard those Dan that that in that they had big arguments after Game Five and Game yep. Six. Um, so obviously there was a difference of opinion, um, but apparently it wasn't officially going to happen until the player said, "Yep, yeah, we're we're okay to move on." So now you now have with this core another coach. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get it done with this coach, whoever that coach may be, Laviolette, John Hines, Chris Knobloch, then you might have to start looking at the fact that this core might not be the pieces to get it done for you, no? Well, and, and, well you mentioned John Hines, and of course, you know, he coached the New Jersey Devils here back when you know, they were clearly in rebuilding mode. And the year that Taylor Hall won the Hart Trophy, they made it to the playoffs that year. And they got bounced in the first round by the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't remember if that Tampa team ultimately went on and won the Cup. I don't remember that year. Maybe not. No, because it was like five years ago. But, so Hines got him to the playoffs one year. Went to Nashville. Never got them past the first round. But John Hines is a guy who's very well respected in the coaching ranks. Remember, he came up in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. Um, you know, that's why Ray Shiro, when Ray Shiro was the general manager with the Devils, when Ray Shiro ran the Penguins, John Hines was coaching down in Scranton Wilkesbury at their, their uh, AHL team. So when he got an opportunity in Jersey, he needed a coach. John Hines, he took him from Pittsburgh, he gave him a job. So <sighs> Hines and Chris Drury are old buddies, they're college teammates from up in Boston. So you look at this one of two ways, and I was talking about this with Anthony off the air. Are they just interviewing him because I'm doing my friend a solid? And if you keep this guy's name in the news cycle, it might put other teams in the NHL on the radar that if, you know, they didn't know already, it's not like he's plucking them off the street. But hey, this John Hines guy, even though he just got fired, I mean, geez, he's, you know, he's good enough to interview for the New York Rangers. So he, he must be a good coach. So he might be doing his buddy a favor or... He might legitimately have interest in hiring him because, you know, Chris Drury, you're the general manager and any general manager would feel this way. You want to be able to have a relationship with your head coach. Right. So you could constantly sit there and commiserate and talk about the team and the roster and strategy instead of just like, hey, I'm the GM. You're the coach. I pick the players. You, you, you decide the lineup. If it's more of a collaborative effort and more of a collaborative relationship, 
Maybe it appeases both parties. I don't know. You know, I, I really and truly don't. If you're asking me right now, probably... Uh, right, Anthony? I mean, it's, it, if Laviolette. you're asking me... Laviolette, right. Yeah. I mean, like, if you ask me who I think it's going to be, it's probably going to be Laviolette. Cut, pick, go. Vegas, I'll say six. Don said Vegas and six. A lot of people... A lot of people think that the layoff would potentially, you know, play a factor into this. Let's go tell Denver about that. Well, that's what I mean. And and you know what? I remember 2012, don't you? When the Devils played the Kings in the Stanley Cup Finals, the Kings were rolling over people, sweeping people, and the Kings were the ones sitting around for the Devils to to get to the finals. That didn't bother LA in the the Cup Final, did it? You know, so the better team is the better team. That's the bottom line. I agree with you, and I would pick Vegas in six, but I'm sick of getting the Panthers wrong. So I'm going to go Panthers in six, even though I think Vegas will win, and I actually am happy with either team winning. Mark Stahl will get a cup if he wins in Florida. I like Vegas. I liked Vegas since they started. I thought it's been a cool story, Um, just how they were able to have that meteoric rise right away. Um, Second trip to the finals. But I'll go Panthers in six. As long as it's a good series. Yes. I'm not going to complain. And if you're looking for it, it's on TNT. Stanley Cup Finals. That's underway tomorrow.